Listen, if you dare, to the Lovecraft tapes. Some might call Las Cruces, California, a sleepy little town. But those who grew up in these parts preferred to think of it as a bastion for an era when everyone wasn't quite so preoccupied with the jaded workings of the world. After all, 1974 out there, with its Vietnams and Watergate scandals and oil crises, made America seem as if it were hurtling towards certain destruction. This place, though, barely more than a quaint village, existed outside of time in a way that didn't so much conjure up the negative connotations of ignorant anachronism, but the protective cloak of stubborn adherence to older ways. The crosses, as the locals called it, kept to itself and expected everyone else to return the favor. These were the thoughts circling Jennifer Olmos's mind as she packed up the rest of her teaching materials for the summer and exited the school just as twilight turned the landscape a kaleidoscope of emerald and amethyst the colors of dying sunlight. She had not grown up here, hailing instead from the not-so-far-away land of Glen Ellen, about five hours north. But the people and the landscape did not differ much from home. And, to their credit, the residents of Las Cruces never made her feel like an outsider as long as she respected their privacy and, of course, their way of life, as she taught their children. She grinned wryly as she loaded up the heavy box of books into the back seat of her Oldsmobile 98. Surely the parents must realize her instruction would inevitably bring about the end of their cloistered traditions? Not to mention, some of her students were moving on next year to nearby Lompoc High School. Once the kids got a taste of life outside Las Cruces, good luck putting that back in Pandora's box. Not that the crosses was completely cut off from the rest of humanity. Far from it. Routes 1 and 101 converged at the town's doorstep, bringing strangers from all compass points, whether they needed to gas up at Mike's filling station, pick up supplies at Willie's Goods and Sundry, or grab a quick bite at Peterson's Blue Plate. There was the occasional hiker or camper eager to explore the nearby hot springs, too. But none stayed long, breezing in and out of the town's sphere of existence 
within a week or two, leaving few footprints behind. Jennifer figured she'd do the same, sooner rather than later. When she arrived four years ago, this gig seemed like an exciting opportunity to apply what she'd learned at Berkeley. Over time, though, the realities of educating a small community's children, less than a hundred young people, all told, with fewer than a dozen educators, weighed on her. She yearned to be somewhere bigger, carving a place for her ideals on a larger scale, painting in broader brushstrokes. Yet, she simultaneously felt the enormous pressure to stay, to make an impact on these impressionable minds, to make a difference in their lives. Guilt plagued her, even now, as she turned on her headlights and pulled out of the school parking lot for a months-long reprieve. It felt like fleeing from a prison, one of her own making. What should she do with a sabbatical? Where should she go? Well, for starters, she had to return to her rented cabin, pour herself a tall glass of red wine, and put some Grand Funk Railroad on the hi-fi. She needed a breather. Maybe she'd even break open that care package she'd brought back from Santa Rosa over winter break, go outside and look up at the stars as the weed took hold. Yeah, that sounded like a plan. Only, now that she thought of it, maybe going outdoors after dark wasn't such a great idea. Ever since she overheard some of the kids gossiping, about the Pascagoula incident in Mississippi last October, she got the willies when looking up at the night sky. On one hand, the prospect of alien abduction was just ludicrous. On the other, well, it just made sense that humanity wasn't alone in the universe. Why risk it? The mosquitoes were starting to get lively this time of year anyway, so it was probably more sensible to just stay inside, drink, smoke, and listen to rock and roll. As Jennifer turned on to the darkening Gaviota Park Boundary Road, she considered her options for the summer break. Last November, her parents moved to Scottsdale and had been bugging her to visit, make use of the guest room, and the in-ground pool. She had to admit, being babied for a month by her doting folks sounded like exactly the balm she needed. Her dad, standing at the grill, beer in one hand, tongs in the other, as steaks sizzled on the open flame. Her mom, putting laundry up on the line under the hot Arizona sun, where clothes would dry within the hour. Watching TV, shopping, soaking up the rays. Bliss. Or she could head back to San Francisco, where some of her old college buddies were still knocking around, itching to get into trouble. The campus bars, 
filled with raucous undergrads who thought they'd live forever and drank like immortals. The local music venues crammed with sweaty revelers shouting along to too loud lyrics from bands no one had ever heard about and probably never would. The house parties, swimming with hot young people looking to score sex or drugs or maybe just an ear into which they could whisper their anarchic pseudo-philosophies with all the passion only someone who hadn't yet lived could muster. Finally, there was the allure of overseas travel. It pained her to admit it, but she'd never been out of the country, had only dreamed of the faraway olive trees in Italy, the untouched architecture of ancient Prague, and the crystalline blue waters surrounding Greece. She had the money now, after years of frugality, to go wherever she wanted. The world could be, as they say, her oyster. If only she were to part her lips and sip the liquor. It was that image, slurping a formless gray mass of velvety sea meat from within an ivory smooth shell that caused her to shiver involuntarily and realize she was nearly at the end of the narrow road, only minutes from her home away from home. And it was at that exact moment, something, a vaguely humanoid shape, slightly darker than the encroaching gloom, stepped out of the foliage of the dense woodland and directly in front of her vehicle. Two screams, unheard by anyone else, for there was no one else within hearing distance, spiraled above the stoic trees and became one ululating siren song beneath the cold gaze of Gemini, glimmering indifferent starshine, barely piercing the black firmament. Then, silence. The Lovecraft Tapes podcast is copyright 2023. For more information and sponsorship opportunities, please send email to podcast at thelovecrafttapes.com. Support the Lovecraft Tapes podcast and get access to exclusive content and rewards at patreon.com slash lovecrafttapes.